0: Welcome to the Shift Spotlight Podcast. I'm Winter, your host and co-founder of The Shift Spot. We are a CEO, coaching, and peer advisory community of fellow business owners who are passionate about making radical shifts in their businesses and their lives. We are business transformational experts that help business owners and CEOs shift from working in the business to working on the business. My partner, Ken Paskins and I have a combined 55 years of experience as an accomplished CEO, COO, executive coach, skill sets in sales and marketing, public relations and peak performance for successful CEOs looking to scale their business with ease. We say here at The Shift Spot, shift happens, we can help. And we believe our support will help you design your business to give you the freedom and balance you deserve. Also, The Shift Spotlight is always looking for podcast guests. So go to shiftspot.com and click on podcasts. We'd love to have you. Hey everybody, today we are here with Jamie Seeker of seekersolutions.com and uh, she's going to be telling us all about what she does as being the founder of Seeker Solutions. The cool thing about it is you're, your last name is Seeker. And Seeker Solutions is actually what you do. It's a really cute name from a marketing standpoint. I absolutely love it. When people try to like take their last names and turn it into something, like a lot of times it just doesn't work. It's like you know, Bradshaw.com and you don't really get it. but Seeker Solutions, it really has like a, a unique ring. So it was one of the first things I, I saw right away. I loved your marketing. I loved all your pictures. It really personalized who you are and what you do. So for our listeners at a high level, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So we are an operations management consulting um, firm, and we help small, medium-sized business owners as they grow and scale. When they kind of hit that bottleneck to where they're wearing all the hats and they can see that they are the one holding up everything, um, we offer solutions that you can outsource. So anything you would think of a CEO type or COO duties, that's really what we do. And we have you know, high level solutions that address that and everywhere from financial management to um, social media, to human resources, when you start hiring and managing people um, and strategic planning, things like that. So those are, those are pretty much everything that we cover in the operation. So you kind of go in and and help them figure out their bottleneck. And
0: it's not one, it's probably 10 or 15 bottlenecks that are causing you know, these businesses not to really scale at the level that they want to. And then you, what What do you do? You put the butts in the seats to help with this or do you um, lay out a plan of what they
1: need to do to execute with this? Well, that's a really good question. Um, most of the time we come in asking, what do they need? Most Mm -hmm. business owners we find know exactly what the problem is and they know exactly how they want to fix it. It's just, they get sucked into all the day-to-day and the execution of it gets lost somewhere. And so we actually come in, um, some of them don't know. So yes, to answer that question, our job is to come in, do an assessment, figure out what the biggest pain points are, what some of those gaps are, and then figure out a strategy on how to fill those things. Some of that might be that they have internal resources already that we need to reallocate toward filling these gaps and making it more of a priority um, some of it is hiring from the outside and saying hey you need x y and z positions you need to take this stuff off your plate this is something that somebody else can do um, and some of it is we take care of those responsibilities for you as okay as that's interesting the little
0: twists i don't normally see um, so uh, it's interesting, you, you have a background, you, you ran an OBGYN office. So how did you like make the shift from that into this world that you're in now?
1: Well, that's a really good question. So that was my first time working in a small business and I loved seeing the immediate impact that I had there. So it started my, it kind of started my, you know, love for that. Um, But the, uh, we were going through a transition doctor, one doctor was retiring. The other doctor was partner was taking over as the main owner. Um, And I was brought on to kind of help with that transition and um, really make that seamless put processes in place and, um, put a team together and that kind of stuff and just make sure everything was really seamless. And so when we did that, it took about a year to do, um, cause she stayed on and, um, the, the doctor that was retiring kind of went out of the owner um, seat. The new doctor went in and um, she stayed on for another year to help the practice continue and, and then kind of transition out. And so um, once we got in and got settled and the new owner was in, she was going to take a different role as, um, as, as business owner. And so we kind of transitioned her into that seat and I pretty much kind of, you know, seamlessly what went out. But the cool part about that was um, the relationships that I had and with other vendors and other um, businesses that kind of did the same thing were in the industry. Um, A lot of them were talking to me about, well, what are your next steps? What are you going to do? And a lot of them were asking me because they wanted me to come. They were actively recruiting me as business owners and they didn't exactly have a position necessarily, but they, they were asking me what my next steps were. And I took a lot of lunches and coffees and pretty much interviewed at a lot of my colleagues um, uh, offices. And I really thought that that was not normal. Um, And I kind of, it, it, it got my attention. And so when I was really thinking about what I wanted to do next, I, I kind of put all of those ideas out and said, I think I'm selling something here, but I don't know what it is. And I need to take my time and identify that and really, you know, consider these offers that I'm getting and think about, well, I feel like I have all the cards in my deck and and i can determine my next steps. and so it was it was really circumstantial how i transitioned into owning my own business. um and and that that was a really big part of it. and so i really kind of decided instead of going to work for any one of them, i would go ahead and go to work for myself and become an expert <laughs> and and have all of them, you know, work with yeah. all of them. and so that's really how i started up my practice. Um, which is
0: so. And you said something in that you said, you know, I, I really sort of transition myself out. It, any good consultant, any good coach at some level, if you're doing your job and you're doing it well, it's you're 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 doing it where you're phasing yourself out. and And that's like what we talk about a lot here is you're not supposed to stick with any, you know, one coach or one person along the way of your CEO journey. Sometimes you need a lot of different ones. And, and somebody may need operations help or somebody may need HR help. But if you're doing your job well, you should be able to phase yourself out and get them operationally set or set in their people department and, and move on. Is Is that what you think? Is that how you believe as well? Well, yeah, I think,
1: without knowing, you know, I think that was kind of a philosophy that I had adopted as a leader, as somebody who throughout my career, I was always um, trying to train somebody up to replace me um, and, and really grow in that way and bring others along and help them grow as well. And so I wasn't a consultant there. I was an actually the operations yeah. director, but, um, but I also think that my job was to put things into place to where everything wasn't, you know, reliant on me. And so if I was taken away, it didn't, it didn't collapse and fall. It needed to be sustainable. So I think just the fact that I had that mentality anyway, just transitioned really well into being a consultant and being somebody who's third party um, to not have go from everything on relying on the owner to everything then relying on us. I don't, I don't think that's sustainable for anything. And so I think there's something really quite, um, true about what you're saying. Um, and I think it's different too, for everything, we, we kind of have our solution set up to where we can transition in for a small amount of time to get, you know, point A to point B and and be a good transition, or we can be a good long-term partner as well. And we've seen it, but I think the thing that's, that is that you said there is if we're staying in one place for very long, then we're probably not setting them up to not be sustainable. Right. And so it's, it's, Even if we stay on long-term as consultants, we're really changing and evolving with our role and what their need is. And, and we do kind of grow. We see that. And I think that that's just a sign of a good leader. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, in your biography, you say that you've experienced the ups and downs of the economy and learned to meet the obstacles that organizations face today. Yes, I did research you. Um, <laughs> what What are the obstacles that organizations are facing today? What are the top ones that you see? Give us the top three. So,
1: okay. So that's a really good question. I think organizations uh, in general are having different issues than what are specific, like, organizations that we work with may be different. So I'll speak to our clientele and and what we work with, which is small, medium sized businesses. Um, and this might not be a challenge that is uh, for today's time per se, but it's almost like a universal challenge. And that is that I think entrepreneurs have certain personality traits and and to want to create something and, and be in charge and and really build it on your own. You have to have a sort of, I can do it mentality and I can do it myself. And I think one of the biggest, uh the top one i would say is that mentality of we can the we have we do it alone we don't lean on other people to get help there and so i think that um because of our personality traits we do really well with things we usually make the right decisions we can get things done efficiently we have that type of get it done mentality and skill set but sometimes it can um it can work against us on the other side when it does get too big and we grow it to a point where, you know, we really do need to rely on other people. Sometimes we don't ask for help and we don't look outward for that. So I think that that might be the top one. That's a a universal. Um, The second thing is um, right now the economy is in a kind of a weird place and by weird, I mean, it, we're not seeing a whole lot of, um, Spending in the retail side of things, people are very conservative with things. Um, we're not having the same challenges that we faced a couple of years ago with pandemic, with supply chain, or other things like those were challenges that when we talk about past and what we've learned, there's been so many things that we've seen. But right now, we're it's just an uncertainty that we're seeing um, in the marketplace where um, because sales are, are trending very, very differently. Um, we don't really know what to do with our expenses either. And so I'm finding that a lot of our clients are starting to be conservative, um, with their spending and, and then that, so that, that would be the second thing. And then the third thing would be that trickles into human resources and how we manage our teams and our employees. And we've, um, in the last, I would say the last year we have grown teams Immediately, like kind of when we got out of the pandemic, it was like everybody went back in out into the marketplace. People were spending money and and we see all this happening with having to um, raise, you know, we were seeing inflation happening and all this other stuff. We're we're watching what's going on, but um, that's really affecting our workers and human resources. And so now we're at a point where um, people are needing to hire but there's not necessarily the workforce to pull from. Um, unemployment rates are pretty low, but also um, it's just a weird place to be right now with HR. And I think one of the biggest challenges is seeing that we had a big explosion and now we're having to like scale back because we're not really sure what the market is going to do. And so we did this really, really fast grow growing of teams. And now we're seeing um, employers pull back as well. So it's like, it's a really tough place to be as a manager, as a leader, especially when you care about um, the people that you work with and and wanting to support and grow them in their careers and and their lives. But you know, it's 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 tough to watch that happening because you also have to make the right business decisions and watching what's happening in sales is really kind of unpredictable. So it's hard to to offer that stability um, in the workforce as well with your, um, with your employees. So those are three, I think. Yeah. I mean, those,
0: I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. So um, so that was a lot of really great stuff. So let's talk about the first point, you know, owners and CEOs, they love to do it alone. You're an owner. I'm an owner. Right. And, and I do, I, I, do remember like the beginnings of nobody can do it as good as me. Nobody's going to do it as fast as me. By the time I explain it to somebody else, I can already have it done. So why even bother? I'll just get it done. But then it snowballs and it it is a really, really tough place. And, you know, what what we do at the show spot, we, we are CEO coaching and peer advisory community. So we kind of work together with our peers to help everybody with the same problems that they experience. And then we also kind of coach our CEOs on some of the things you do, but a lot of them, it's, it's more about the top six problems that businesses like really struggle in, right? Finances, processes and systems, people, you know, you've seen this movie, right? So um, we've kind of created that community so that people don't have to go at it alone, but it's really, really hard to look yourself in the eye and say like, enough is enough. I am doing something that, I can be paying an admin to do. This is ridiculous. You know, so one of the first things that we kind of look at with our with our CEOs and owners is just like, what are the things you enjoy doing? Because we're about balance here. And, you know, I can, I can type up a contract faster than anybody. I can send the best marketing emails in the world, but as is that the best like use of my time. So we have to like really sit down and look at like, what do we love doing? And what are we good at? but don't love doing? And what are we good at? But don't, you know, and and do love doing and and you start to just find that I need this person to take over this or this person take over this so that that CEO is doing more of what they love. I mean, can you speak about CEOs today just kind of doing everything and not loving a lot of it? I mean, we hear a lot of burnout going on. We hear a lot of, you know, I I don't want to scale anymore. I don't want to grow. I actually want to shrink because, you know, I don't like doing this much work. I'm not having fun anymore. This was supposed to be fun, you know?
1: So what do, what are your thoughts there? That's exactly, that's exactly our message. And and that's what we've seen as well. A uh, very common and um, kind of what I've talked about in the past is that it's not just something I see in one or two, or it's a common thing. This is like a hundred percent of the people that we interface with gets to that point at some point in their entrepreneur journey and so i think that um that is where we start as well is really starting to ask questions and get to know the person why did you get into this in the first place what is your long-term vision where do you see yourself what does that next step look like to you and let's evaluate what you're doing right now do the two align and most of the time they don't and you know you pretty much named all that so in you know not trying to repeat any of that i would say the only thing that um I would add to that really is that they really wait too long and they come to us and it's so drastic and almost dramatic. It's like, I'm either going to die or, you know, we have to make some major changes. And so I've called you cause you're like my last ditch effort. And we're like, well, why did we wait so long? Why, you know, how did we get here? Like either this or this, like there's gotta be some, some warning signs along the way. Um, and to where we can be proactive and it's not this or that, like we're going to close down and shut business or, you know, or something major has got to change. It's like, no, it's actually just a few little minor things that need to change. It's going to make a major difference. And we just are there. What are your strengths? What should you be doing? Um, and, and yes, you can, but are you the right person to be doing Because you may have somebody right next to you who could take over a lot of that stuff would alleviate so many of those feelings. And when I I think too, when the owner is feeling energized, um, full of vision and like drive and, and knowing the direction that they're going, it, it really changes the entire um, culture of the company as well, because we tend to see that the employees and everybody around m- mirror that that owner and so I think that getting them to a place where they feel energized again passionate again why they started it in the first place is really key and a lot of that has to do with everyday you know tasks and responsibilities and and reassigning those and it is hard because I think the biggest thing that stood out to me also with what you said is, We don't really have that choice. Nobody can do it better. Nobody can do it as fast, as efficient. It's going to take longer for me to train. And even if they get to that point, a common thing that we see is, okay, you convinced me, I can delegate it. So they delegate it. And the person that they delegate it to doesn't do it the way you want them to. Or, you know, maybe they even make mistakes and it's not, you know, correct. But then it's like, see, this is why I don't do that. And you take it back. So we take it back too. And I think that that's the second kind of, Phase into where we step in is we know that that's also something that's going to happen, and we don't really allow you to get there. It's just this unwavering vision of like this is the direction that you're going, and if you take it back, you take a step back. And the thing is, I think the other message that we're not saying is it's okay to scale back if that's what you truly want to do. Guess what? You started this company. You own it. You get to decide the direction you want to go. So if what you want to do is not grow and become this, you know, multi-billion dollar company, which is what you dreamed of when you first started, but you're really kind of learning and growing and saying, you know what? I think I can maximize my profitability by staying small. Let's maximize that and minimize, you know, the expenses and, and really stay right here. That's where I'm comfortable. I think that there's an acceptance there to realize that you're allowed to change your mind. And if your goals change, that's okay too. And let's put processes in place to keep you there. And we, of course, weigh pros and cons of doing either, Um, but really just getting them to, to really say, okay, you have your dreams, but what's your reality and what are you really doing? And does that align? And maybe sometimes your dreams change because sometimes they're not willing to change their reality to get to the dream. So there has to be that acceptance of, all right, well, you're not willing to do what it takes to live that dream so let's look at what this direction takes you and is that really where you want to go and most of the time it's also no um, so there's some tweaking that we need to do but i think that's also a valid part of the conversation that we have with owners is really just owning and accepting what their reality is and seeing if that's truly in alignment with what they started with
0: and you know back to your your other two points like rewinding a little bit i think that's where spending an hr kind of collide. Because um, I I see a lot of successful businesses that have been around for a while. But what they do is uh, it gets busy and they hire a bunch. And then, you know, you get into a weird spot like we are now. And and I know what you're saying. This is a weird, weird time all around. Interest rates are super high and people want to buy a home, but they don't want to buy a home. You know, they they they're like, I need to have this, you know, car, but I don't know if I need this car. Like, I mean, I've never seen so much uh, like like everybody's so wishy washy. And I I do think that um, on election years next year, I think it's probably going to get a little bit worse, even because in in like sales historically, um, people just kind of like wait on the sidelines during election years. And it doesn't really matter if a Republican or Democrat gets it once they're in office, everything kind of goes back to normal. But leading up to it, it, it becomes Quiet as a lark. So then a lot of businesses panic and they get rid of their number one overhead, which tends to be people. And then they let some really good people go that need jobs that they probably shouldn't have let go. And they let the fear creep in and the panic creep in. And those people go find other jobs and, and they're gone. So you've lost good people. Then you're in this sort of wheelhouse Now I got to find new people. So then the market picks up again, right? So whoever gets an office gets an office. I'm just giving an example, right? So, you know, then whatever the the extenuating circumstances, it passes and then it gets busy again and you need to rehire again. And i watch this play out in businesses over and over and over. So what do you say to businesses who are, um, they're scared or they're nervous or they have that, that monkey on their back of the high overhead with the people? And you don't know what's going to happen. What do you do at this time? What would you recommend to a business during this time to like hang on to the right people and not freak out?
1: Yeah, I think that's um, that's a tough answer, I don't, and I don't think it's the same for everyone. I think it varies um, based on you know who the business is and, and what their circumstances are, and you know sometimes the the it's it's a black and white you know spreadsheet issue where you really are spending more than you're making and and you have to do this otherwise your business will close you know Mm -hmm. so i guess i guess it's hard to talk about the right now and what we try to do is plan for the rainy day before it ever happens and so in times of plenty you know when the economy is really great when you are going through the boom it's what types of practices do you have in place to prepare you for these times because this is the roller coaster that we usually see in small businesses um even medium-sized businesses um and what we try to get to is this and the only way to do that is to manage the times regardless of what the circumstances are so putting good um good strategies good um business philosophies into place that really stand the test of time and um and that's more of a proactive approach. So, yes, if we come in right now, you know, there's not much we can do about the past, but it's talking about okay, what can we manage? How do we trim the fat right now? Because it may be very necessary for your company, but there may be appropriate times where it is appropriate for you to come back and take some things back? And what can you handle on your plate so that you can maintain? I, I've had to do it as a business owner. I've had to, you know, tap into all of my resources, all of the things, take on other things to where I I was able to keep on my team, um, you know, during those times. And and that ha- 100% had to do with the work that we did ahead of time is that mm-hmm. one thing is 100% certain is that We will have uncertainty in the economy, in your sales, in everything. And there will be ups and there will be downs, peaks and valleys. And that's something that will 100% happen. So I think the answer really becomes planning, planning for that. Um, but in terms of right now, the encouragement really just is, um, looking at it as a, as a bigger picture, not as a today problem. Let's look at this. Okay. Today, this is what we're going through, but if you want to be here tomorrow, um, you know, what are some of the things that are really important to you as a company and, um, and really just say what, what are necessities? And sometimes some of the extra things are bonuses that you can probably do without, and hopefully it's not. Falling within, you know, HR and, and having to, to slash your, your workforce, but it's really facilitating conversations about really grasping toward your mission, your vision and your values. And when you go back to that and you stick toward those things, you, you maybe will make different decisions than uh, your circumstances are providing right now, like. You, you tend to be held hostage to whatever situation you're in and your circumstance. And we really try to look beyond that and say, what is your company here to do? What's important to you and how you do it? And uh, where do you want to go right now? And we, if it had nothing to do with your circumstances, and usually when you have those kind of logical decisions, it helps with the emotional part of the decision making. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay.
0: Um, so, you know, it seems like you've got it all together. And it seems like, you know, the, the top failures that companies have. So tell us about one of your failures. How did you handle it? How did you turn it around? You know, we all have failures. And I always say that um, I don't believe that we fail at anything. We give 100% to or learn something from. So share with us, you know, something that you really screwed up. And, you, you know, you wish you could, now that you know, you can help somebody else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, thank you, first of all, for (laughs) saying that I look like I have it all together, but I think you're right. I think that I am where I am today because of what I've experienced and failing forward, you know, is, is kind of what we say. And I think when I was young in my career, I I was very driven. You know, I was very driven. Um, I, I had that mentality of I am the best, you know. I'm the best one here. I can do it better than everyone else. Um, like I said, same entrepreneurial personality. Who knew that I, that was gonna play out the way that it did? You know, a couple decades later. But, um, but yeah, when I first started, I think because I had a, a, a pretty vast variety of skill sets that translated really well in different things, you couldn't really put me in a box. Um, I I don't know that. I talk to a lot of people now in my career that knew me then who were just like totally scared of me and afraid. And like, and I think it's so funny because the crazy thing is like, I still have relationships with them now. So there was at least some sort of like relational thing that was happening, but when it came to work, it was very intimidating. And so I'm not saying necessarily that I failed in that area, but I think I would learn from that and do that differently. There was an era which was giving off like people were afraid to work with me. And and I think it had a lot to do with that. I was very self-assured, right or wrong. I'm not saying I was right in the decisions that I was making or anything like that, but I was very sure of what I was doing, what I was all about and all that kind of thing. And I think that that was very um, unsettling maybe to other departments or other areas of um, you know, people that I worked with that maybe made it hard for them to work with. I found it very easy to work with everyone. I didn't have any problems per se, like I never had any kind of arch enemies at work or anything like that. But I think that there was definitely an air of which that I handled myself at work that maybe wasn't necessarily, it it was one snapshot of who I am, but I think that I'm much more, um, like care a lot more about what people think and to know that somebody like, you know, kind of ran the other way I was walking down the hall is like, really? Like why? And they really can't tell me anything that like I did anything inappropriate or anything like that. But if I could go back and kind of see it from a different perspective in that way, um, you know, I mean, like I said, I think learning about it now, because I still have those relationships with those people, I think kind of speaks to maybe that fear being surface level or whatever. But at the same time, I think it probably made a big difference in my journey and it didn't need to. Um, So, yeah. And
0: and it's interesting. I totally get what you're saying. Like I I, I came out of the womb, just confident with myself. I was doing modeling, you know, shows at two years old. Thanks mom. So I just like naturally kind of had this Aura about myself, and I I have had people say that to me throughout my career. Which, as an individual, you know, it's it's okay. But as a leader or an owner, um, the people and your staff they pick up on the vibe you're putting out, and you can't be like that. You can't be, um, you know, over overt in any one direction as an owner or leader. I we've got this client who um, owns a company and. I don't want to say what they do, but um, it's not the, the most glamorous industry. It's it's quite boring. But the owner himself is uh, really short and he's uh, almost depressed in, in his talking and, and he just really is monotone. And you get on with his staff and, and they literally are like they all look they all look like they want to pull out a knife and just cut themselves in the wrist. I mean, they just look miserable. And I don't think he realizes how much he influences how they are showing up. And I think what you're saying is, you know, look, I was this person and I learned from this because you had to as a leader, you would probably turn away a lot of potentially good, you know, employees, good hires, good business opportunities, all of those things you have to start thinking. And, and, and now more than ever, because people want to be met with exactly where they are. Anymore, like this is a new era where like before it used to be like, I'm paying the money, you're getting hired and, uh, you know, you're going to do it my way. And now if you want that hire, it's I'm paying the money, but I need your feedback. What's going to keep you here? What's going to make this money valuable to you? How will you stick around? You know, it's a a really different workplace to be in. So I love that you shared and was honest about that.
1: It really is. And I think that the second piece to that is I would... I would have the mentality of like, well, look at this work that I'm doing. Nobody else can do this. And, and it was, um, it was definitely having like a negative connotation. How I would view others was like, yes, I w- there, It wasn't just me being confident. It was also me looking down on what others couldn't do instead of valuing right. what they could do and what they did bring to the table. Well, no, they can't do what I'm doing. That's, that's what I'm there to do. Right, right. And they're there to do something else and they have a different skill set that is equally as valuable. And I think that's another trap that we get into as owners is we tend to hire people that look like us, that similarly work like us, that act like us, that whatnot. But to recognize that we are all created differently. And I believe for a purpose, because we need to be able to work together to cover all of the spectrum of the things I need to get done. And we all have different value. And I looked down on the things that people couldn't do as well as me instead of valuing like, wow, you really, you really do. I have no desire to do that. Like, and you were created to do that. So we need to work together instead of looking at what I was doing was more valuable. And I think a lot of that had to do with age and just, you know, not having (laughs) jobs before and looking at what I was doing and, you know, oh wow, look at how great I am. And so I think that that was a very big part of, um, me determining like who I want to be as I grew up. And, and, you know, I, like I said, I never had any bad interactions or with, with anybody at work per se, like couldn't figure out a project together or collaborate or anything that was always very strong, but I always really felt like I was better that my work was better than theirs. And I was carrying the team. And Mm -hmm. even if that was true, it's accepting that that's how I was created to be. I was created to lead this team and I can't look down on them because they weren't, you know what I mean? Like they, they make not, everyone has the same desires and drive to want to lead a team. They might just be like, Hey, you tell me what to do. I'll execute it. Cause guess what? I don't want to execute everything. I'm really good at making sure that it happens, but do I want to go and do everything? No, but there are absolutely people who are like, I don't want to make those decisions. I don't want that responsibility. You just let me know, I'll get it done. And that is okay. And that's so valuable. And I think that that, that's another area where I feel like I really failed early in my career. You know, my twenties, I'm saying like really, really early getting to navigate through the workplace. And I had to learn, like, I didn't have to mask myself and be like the older male boardroom that I was striving to be. I didn't need to be like that. I didn't need to be like them to bring value to the table because that's really the situation that I was in. I was emulating what I was seeing and seeing how I was thinking of others, which I never really thought of before that. I had to make that decision. Like, is this who I want to be? And the answer was obviously no, I don't want to be that way. And I don't like how. And I
0: do think that um, vulnerability is a huge strength, and it took me a long time to realize that because I have four brothers and I'm tough, and I, you know, grew up on a car lot, and uh, I was around sales and and was hearing sales, you know, from a kid all the way up. So, you know, I was really kind of, you know, to the point and get it done, and and my business absolutely transformed when I started to become more vulnerable. And when I just started to lighten up, because guess what? I don't have to be that tough. And I don't have to do all those things because I put people in place to help with it. My my greatest assistant was, you know, I'm a high D personality, high DI. And so I would go up and down like this, like most, you know, CEOs and business owners do. And I had a steady, I had a steady assistant. So I could come up down and she, she never got flustered. She never got upset. She never raised her voice. She never, whatever. I'd come in, you know, and. So when you're saying you need to hire people who are not like you, that is true. I mean, in certain roles, right? You know, there's some things that, you know, but that's why those things are in place. So, um, all right. Last question. Curious. Where do you see yourself investing resources for growth over the next year?
1: Um, It's really right now in business development, um, figuring out new ways, you know, the market's changing, people are learning different things, outsourcing some of the services that we do was unheard of five years ago, outsourcing operations, figuring out how to do process or even supervising a department like that's unheard of. I can go outside for that. People are starting to understand what that is now. So there's a lot less, there's still some education as far as what we do, but in terms of social media um, strategy and, and executing all that, there's no education involved in that. So my strategy in sales is definitely going to be um, different and evolving now that you know, I think the workforce is starting to learn different options for how to run their business. And so I think investing in that to grow my business is um, is really where, where I'm going to be spending my time and attention right now. That's really where a lot of my focus is, is figuring out the best fit for us in terms of marketing and um and really getting in front of people who need us and are looking for us um or maybe just don't (laughs) don't necessarily know that they're looking for us. Um, But to get our message out there that hey, you don't have to do this alone and these are these are services that help with these types of feelings and emotions and things that you're really going through. Um, But these are very tangible effective solutions that help in your business too. So that's really the message that I want to get across. And that's where my investment needs to come into play in the future. Yeah, and
0: isn't it um, Seth got in that says uh, your vibe attracts your tribe. Oh yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, and he talks about you you attract the people you're supposed to get, you know, through your marketing efforts. You don't have to be everything to everybody. You don't have to be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of that You can do one and just do it really well. And whatever you're putting out, you're getting what like you're supposed to get and the right people that you're supposed to work with as opposed to, I'll do anything. I'll work with everybody. Just get the light, keep the lights on, pay the bills, you know, and and really more be very selective. And and, and
1: also, I think you said something about vulnerability too. And that changed when we changed our branding. Um, Mm -hmm. My branding was very much starting off um, not really focused on me and my team. And we, I brought somebody in, uh, Brie, who's actually our social media consultant that works with us and our clients. And she just was like, you need to be showing you, people wanna see you, that's what it's all about. And it, it took years to do. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things that you touched on was like, oh yeah, it's very personal. Like I can see you and your team. And I think that's the thing that makes the difference with our branding and and being able to be vulnerable with y- yourself. But it does play out in your company as well, and like you said, puts out a different vibe and attracts a different. If you're totally, completely transparent with who you are, what you're doing, showing yourself in a way that's true and transparent and vulnerable, it does attract the people that you're really, truly looking for. And so right. I think that it's it it just it's it's full circle. It comes all the way. It affects everything. So when you work on you and those things, and you're trying to grow those areas, it affects your company and everything you do all the way down to your marketing (laughs) efforts.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So you wanted to um, give something to our listener. So why don't you tell them what that is and how they can
1: get it? Oh sure. Well, if any of this stuff resonates with anyone and they maybe want to learn more, um, we offer a breakthrough call. It's usually two hundred and fifty dollars value, but I've um, on our website. If you go to our contact page and just sign up for it, and the drop down is breakthrough call. Um, it's you don't have to put any code or anything. It's just for you know these listeners. We. have changed our settings on there. So you can just go in and choose that. Um, It's an hour. We'll talk about your biggest pain points, walk you through some strategies that may help. And at the very least walk away with just some new ideas and, and areas that maybe you need to prioritize and focus on because if you're too stuck in the details of day to day and that resonated with you, we can at least do that. Um, At the very most, you know, maybe see if there's some solutions that we offer that might be um, potentially good for you. But I think either way, valuable time spent, but that's something that You know, if anybody wanted to take advantage of, go to our website, SeekerSolution.com and uh, just go to our contact page and sign up. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Winter here. Thank you so much for listening to the Shift Spotlight podcast. If you are a business owner, CEO, founder, or co founder of a service based business with 11 to 100 employees and have zero to nine years of experience seeking recognition for your exceptional expertise while gaining exposure through our remarkable network, well, we are actively searching for podcast guests who can bring their inspiring stories to light, to the spotlight, and we would love to showcase your journey. Please visit the shiftspot.com forward slash podcast to apply today. And if you are a listener, I'd love to give a shout out to your business, to our whole audience for free. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow our newsletter on LinkedIn by searching the shift spot through LinkedIn. I'd love to just even have you pop by and say hello because I'd love to meet you. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot truly to me and my team. We believe every person has a message that can positively impact the world. And we love our community who listens and shares our program. Together, we are empowering one another as shift leaders. Hit subscribe to be inspired and motivated. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you and your growing business. We will see you next time.